Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by the OCR nutritionist, Melissa Bofinos. Melissa and I had a really in-depth conversation today about what eating for performance really means when it comes to making sure we get enough food in, making sure we get all the right nutrients in, and how we go about that for our training days and our race days. We also dove into some of the hot topics when it comes to different supplements people are taking and whether or not they're truly beneficial or not. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Melissa, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I am doing really well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing amazing. I got cleared to paddleboarding this weekend, so I'm excited. That's exciting. So what was the like injury that wasn't letting you do paddleboarding? Well, technically I still have my boot on for another week. <laughs> um, but when he told me that I have a good relationship with him both professionally and clinically. And I was like, you just ruined my weekend plans by telling me another week in the boot. He's like, why, what do you have planned? Or what did you want to do? And I told him, he's like, go. I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. He's like, actually, he's like, I actually would love to have you chat and just kind of challenge the stability of it and just see how it feels. So I was like, okay. <laughs> it's, it's always amazing when you're dealing with an injury to like get just like the slightest clearance. Like it's the best day ever. <laughs> <laughs> and even told him, I'm like, if I have to, I'm like, I can kneel on the paddleboard. It's just getting in and out of the, like being, getting in the water. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yes. I'm excited. And I'm also excited to get you on here. I've been following you for a while, just kind of the different information you put out there nutrition wise. And, uh, so I really, and I love the perspective you put on things and the research you put into the information you put out, which is why I really wanted to get you on here. Um, but first and foremost, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, sure. So my name is Melissa Bufunos. I am a certified holistic nutritionist. I have also done the precision nutrition level one and level two certifications. So I specialize in sports nutrition performance. I've been an athlete my entire life, I played high level ice hockey and ball hockey at uh, national and international levels. Um, I've dabbled in other sports like soccer, rugby, softball. I played competitive tennis. Um, and eventually, my passion for sports just led me to see the advertisements for uh, Spartan races. And then locally, we had a race called Mud Hero. So I did those in 2013 and after doing literally one I signed up for like nine more that season and I've never looked back I think I've done I don't know like 60 or 70 races now since uh 2013 and now I help other athletes like improve their performance using my nutrition background my athletics background I created a program to help other OCR other obstacle course race athletes just really feel better and so that they can achieve whatever goals they have for themselves, whether it's qualifying for the world championships, whether it's achieving an age group podium, or just wanting to go out to a race and get a personal best, whatever that means for them. That's what I help them achieve by fueling better with a flexible performance eating program. I'm not about like strict nutrition strategies. Very cool. What got you interested in the nutrition side of things for performance because a lot 
um, just so many people neglect that nutrition side of things or don't understand that that can improve performance. So what got you interested in that? Yeah, that's a good question. So I was always interested in uh, like nutrition, training, exercise. Like I remember being 12 years old and asking my parents for uh, like dumbbells and exercise bands. And they were just like, what? Like, we're not buying a 12 year old girl exercise equipment. They thought there was like some really bad messaging with that. Um, and like with weight and body composition. And I'm sure part of it at the time was for that. Like I was, you know, always reading the women's health magazines and things like that. And I would see female athletes or what I thought were athletes. You see these people on the front cover and you think that they're an athlete because they're thin and they have, you know, abs. Um, and so I started doing a lot of my own research as a kid and into like being a teenager, but it was all the wrong research. So I would do things like watch Dr. Oz every day of the week. I would uh, Google things and I would buy books that were about like fad diets. And I was, I followed like uh, Jillian Michaels and the biggest loser and things like that. And that was the information I used to try to improve my nutrition for my sport. So I was in uh, a competitive hockey player and I could see that nutrition, you know, could help. Um, but I basically did all the wrong things. I went after nutrition strategies or goals with my body composition that weren't for performance. Um, and I was always like, Ooh, abs, Ooh, let's do these core burners. Let's do this juice cleanse. Let's do this 21 day nutrition thing. And eventually it just kind of like snowballed into worse and worse performance for me. Like I would get sick every single year for like six or seven weeks at a time and bounce around from like medication to medication. Um, I would, I had tons of injuries growing up. And I think part of that is just because the nutrition wasn't there. Um, so as I would like tear muscles or whatever in the gym or in the five days a week, I was playing hockey, the body just wasn't rebuilding. And I was in like the growth stage of my life and I just kind of messed some things up. And so my, my passion for it kind of like, I always had it, but then my parents, you know, pushed me away from becoming a nutritionist for a while. Um, then they realized, no, that is what you're passionate about. Go back to school for it if that's what you want. So once I had that, like kind of go ahead from them that I really should pursue that I went and, and studied nutrition and it was, it was really eye opening. The first program I did was more holistic nutrition. And even there, the focus wasn't on performance. It was on health. So a lot of the advice I learned there kind of messed me up a bit more because it was all the like GMOs are so bad and gluten will kill you and sugar's, you know, horrible. And like all these things that for a while, like I was so scared of certain foods. Like I remember not eating a donut for like an entire year. And, you know, I love donuts, but I was like, oh my God, donuts will kill me. Like I can never eat this stuff again. And it just didn't sit well with me because still I wasn't seeing performance changes. Like it was still negative things happening with my training. So then I jumped into like, let's see where I can do like actual sports nutrition education. And I found precision nutrition. And that's when I had the mindset shift of like, oh, okay. Like all foods can fit and there's a way to still approach it from a holistic standpoint and still consider like your lifestyle, your mind, uh, and all those connections too, without being fearful of foods, um, and actually supporting the performance, your health and body composition goals all at the same time, instead of only concerning yourself with 
your health or only thinking about performance or only thinking about body composition. It's important to back up a little bit and just really highlight the fact that like you did exactly what pretty much 99% of the population did. It's exactly what I did growing up too. It was, yeah, you're searching the internet or books or magazines. For me, I guess it was more magazines because internet wasn't too much around when I was in middle school and high school. Um, but you're just searching everything possible and you're, you are getting really bad ideas and tips and suggestions. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to do because it's what we all do. It's what we know to do when we're not educated any further, um, through formal education. Um, so I think it is important to point out to people that's like, just be like, if that's the method you've gone, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just what we know to do because that's where the internet is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is like, even, even if you try to go to sources that are like sports perform, like you go to like a, a running magazine or you go to the Spartan website, even those don't necessarily have good advice, even though they're writing for athletes because they're hiring writers that aren't athletes. And so the writers are going and looking up the same stuff we used to look up. They're going to the Dr. Oz's and the Jillian Michaels and, you know, things that aren't necessarily accurate. They're not doing evidence-based research specifically for endurance. They're doing a Google search, finding something popular about the keto diet or going vegan because of the game changers, you know, documentary, and then writing an article for the Spartan website or writing an article for, you know, the running websites or whatever. And it's still not beneficial for athletes. And it, it's shocking the kind of things that I see come out in some of those uh, publications. And I'm just like, it's like that face palm of like, oh my God, please don't listen to the advice that you see on these websites for nutrition. Well, and when it comes to nutrition too, like it astounds me how like, I feel like it's politics and religion, like with how debatable and how opinionated people get over it as far as like, this is what you have to do. This is the only way to do it. And it's just amazing the different like conversations and debates people get in over it because there are so many different ways to go about one thing and it depends on a person's body. Yeah, that's exactly it. And everybody is different, but also you have to look at the source too of, of who's writing it. And so there, for example, I'll look at like um, a Facebook group and someone will ask something about, Oh, should I just like cut out all carbs and all the people that are in favor of it? None of them are elite athletes. They're all, and there's nothing wrong with being an open age group athlete. Um, but they're all open category athletes who they're not doing Spartan races for the performance. They do them because it helps them have something to train for. They, they walk the course with their girlfriends. They stop and take photos. Like they're not out there for performance reasons. And sure, maybe they don't need carbohydrates the same amount <laughs> as, you know, the elite podium age group athletes want, right? So it, you have to be mindful of where that advice is coming from. And just, just asking people, random strangers on the internet for what worked for them. Like unless they are doing better than you and that's where you want to go. Like I wouldn't be following their advice. And if you go and actually look at the elite athletes, they're not cutting out calories. They're not cutting out macronutrients. They're not going low carb. Uh, and they're not afraid of, of foods. Yeah. So when you're working with someone or even just talking with them, I know you're, you have kind of your focus on health over performance and, and 
you know, the aesthetic side of things is the last part of what you're even worried about dealing with or interested in dealing with, I should say. Um, so how do you go about coaching someone? Because so many people want to, yes, they want to perform better, but they want to look better as well. So how do you go about kind of breaking those thought patterns? Yeah, that's a good question. I think part of it is I tend to attract the people who have the same mindset, I guess, as I do, or are willing to to not be focused on their aesthetics. So there's a lot of people that don't choose to work with me or, or aren't attracted to the, the, the way I talk online because their only focus is to lose weight or to have those abs. And so when they see me posting about like, that's not what I'm about, they don't come and get coached by me, which is fine. That's, that's what I want. I don't want to work with the wrong type of people. Um, but even within, within my program, uh, I have had athletes who are interested in the weight loss side of things. And what ends up happening is they start to follow the steps and start dialing in their nutrition and without actually giving them an actual weight loss program, without telling them you need to cut calories or you need to do this, just by dialing in nutrition, they actually start to see changes to their body composition. So they're happy about that. But more importantly, when they see the changes in how they feel, how they perform, the body composition things kind of go away a little bit because they realize deep down like, oh, okay, maybe I look a little bit pudgy still around my stomach, like, but hey, I can do 10 more pull-ups than I used to. Like that matters more for my performance at a Spartan race. Or, hey, I wake up in the morning and my joints don't hurt anymore. That's amazing. I don't care that I need to lose five more pounds or the imaginary five pounds that they think they need to lose. And I think, I think what happens there is most people assume what's holding them back is the weight. It's like, oh, I'm not running faster because I need to lose five pounds. Oh, my joints hurt because I need to lose 10 pounds. I could do more pull-ups if I lost five pounds. That's not necessarily true. Um, so once you actually dial in the nutrition, and which means you're getting more out of your training, you're maximizing um, the, the benefits of the training program you're following, you'll start seeing better results without actually having to lose weight. But if you dial in the nutrition and you focus on it from a performance perspective, like if you fuel your body for performance, the body composition will adjust with it if it needed to, right? When we're talking about nutrition, so many people want to not necessarily, like necessarily count calories, but track them. You know, there's all the different apps and softwares that you can use for that purpose. I know you don't use that method. Um, you have different methods. How do you go about making sure someone's fuel appropriately? They're getting the right nutrients. Like what's your process for that? Um, since you aren't having them account things. Yeah, good question. So I find that calories and macros one, it just confuses a lot of people. Most people don't do it properly and then they get mad at it. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not losing weight, even though I'm counting calories and tracking my macros. So this is so, so frustrating. They aren't doing it right in the first place. And for a lot of people then kind of develop disordered eating habits where they're afraid to go out to a restaurant and eat or go to a birthday party because it doesn't fit their macros. So I'm not anti-macro if that actually works for someone. And there are like A-type personality athletes who just like love to be able to track things by all means go for it as long as it's not leading to some disordered eating patterns or like extra stress. Um, but what we do with our athletes, because we know that it works just as well. Uh, we use a lot of visual guides. 
So one, there's like three or four different tools that we use. So the first one is showing them performance plates. So based on the intensity that they're working out, that's going to determine uh, basically the carbohydrates will change. Protein stays the same. We always need protein. Um, but the carbohydrate amount is going to change if you're having a sedentary day versus a very active day. So on rest days or very low training days, maybe it's a weight training day, they're going for a very light jog, uh, active recovery, um, their plate's going to look a little bit different uh, with more vegetables, less of the carbs, less starchy carbs, more green vegetables, and the same amount of protein versus um, the regular plate, which is just like your everyday plate, it's going to be pretty balanced. You're going to have a balanced mix. It's like a third of the plate carbs, a third vegetables, a third protein. And then if you have really hard training days, two a day sessions, like leading up to a really big race, that's where we're going to pick up the carbs a bit more where like half the plate is probably going to be your starchy carbs so that you have the energy for those workouts. So that's the first visual cue we give them. And obviously the amount of food can differ for each person based on that plate. So where the amounts come from, we like to use hand portion guides. So your hand, it comes with you everywhere you go. And so it's, you know, it's the same size as you. So it's just easier to, if you're on the road, you've always got your hands with you. So um, we do like your palm is the size of protein. Uh, a cupped handful is for carbohydrates, a fist is for vegetables, and a thumb is for fat. And so again, just based on their activity level, they might need one or two portions with each meal. I teach them how to figure that out. And then we also use uh, like hunger and fullness cues, getting athletes to, and this is the more holistic side of things, getting people back in tune with their actual bodies and the cues that their bodies are giving them because too many people ignore that. They ignore pains in their body and then, well, they end up with bigger injuries, right? They ignore being tired and they go take pre-workout instead of taking a rest day. Um, and it's the same thing with nutrition. Like they ignore, um, they ignore the fact that they're like not even hungry. Oh, I'm bored. So I should probably just eat. Right. So getting them to tune into that hunger and fullness cues where if you're not actually hungry, don't eat. And if you are hungry, eat, but you're going to stop, like eat slowly and stop eating once you're actually satiated versus waiting till your pants like burst open and you need to go into a food coma. So by tuning into those cues and matching your nutrition to your training intensity, you should be getting enough fuel and not need to actually count calories or track macros. And I think that like listening you know, avoiding the boredom eating and really listening to things is really beneficial too. Cause, um, I'm actually having one of those days today. Like never have those days. You just feel like you have a tapeworm and like <laughs> just constantly hungry. I'm having one of those days today. <laughs> yeah. One of those things is like, I don't feel like my activity level is up any, but it's like, I, my body obviously needs more fuel. Cause I'm not bored of eating. It's just like, holy crap, I'm hungry. <laughs> Yeah, that happened to me like two weeks ago. And I remember being like, I don't understand. Like I have not stopped eating today. And the thing with, if you're following like calories and macros, the athlete will stop themselves from eating and then they feel guilty. And they're like, oh, I overate today. I'm terrible tomorrow. I better work out more. And I don't want that mentality. Like if your body is like literally that hungry and your stomach is growling and you're lightheaded and dizzy, like you need more calories. You shouldn't just be like, Oh, hit my macros for the day. Can't stop eating. Kitchen's closed. Like there's a reason why your body's telling you it's that hungry. 
Maybe you trained harder than you thought. Maybe you underfueled a couple days in a row earlier in the week. For women, you could be at a just different cycle in your, uh, you know, different phase in your menstrual cycle. So all of a sudden you need more calories. Like there's so many factors that I hate pigeonholing people into like every day you could only have 1600 calories or whatever number they have. I think it's important to point out too, especially like hormones change things, but especially for females, like when you start looking at nutrition and sleep and all those things, like it's, it's what your body needs does fluctuate based on your cycle. Oh yeah. Big time. I go through like, there'll be a week where I barely eat and then a week where I can't stop eating. And some days where I don't want protein and other days where all I want are fats and other days, all I want are carbs. And if you go look at the research, like that does align with what evidence is starting to come out of like, if you're in this part of your cycle, you need more carbs. And if you're in this cycle, you need more protein or more fats. And it's cool when you tune into your body, you're like, Oh, huh, I must be in this phase because I want more fats now. And it's accurate. It's, it's yeah. cool. It's, it is really neat. Let's take a quick break to talk about true nutrition. True nutrition is a supplement company and yes, they do have the prepackaged bulk type performance supplements that a lot of companies have. But what I absolutely love about them are their customized options. You can get protein powder with a wide variety of types of protein in it and choose what flavoring you want on it. And along with that, throw in some different boosts to maybe help decrease your inflammation or improve your endurance, improve your recovery, really make it for what you and your body needs. And not only performance, they also have healthy food options as well. You can customize smoothies and oatmeal to really be what you want. So it's a very quick and easy breakfast option or even on the go option. So check out everything that they have at truenutrition.com. And if you use code GYF, you can save 5% on your order. And you can also check out all of my partnerships at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now back to our conversation. How do you change things when it comes to like before race day or on race day? Because obviously you want to, especially if it's like a beast or an ultra where they're doing a longer type more than just like a standard hour long workout, you want more fuel. So how do you change the food based on that race? Yeah. So that's where those athlete plates come back in. Like as if they need to like carb load basically for a beast or an ultra or 24 hour event, they're likely going to be carb loading. And so that's the high intensity athlete plate. So for the couple of days leading up to their race, they're going to eat more carbs than they normally would eat a bit less vegetables because you don't want a ton of fiber uh, leading into a race. Cause that can cause some gastrointestinal issues. Um, the protein again is pretty much staying the same until 24 hours or so before the race, just because again, really the 24 hours before it's, it's those carbs that you need. You got to be careful. You're not eating too much protein, too much fatty foods that take a long time to digest and could leave you either feeling too full on the race morning. And then you get up and you don't want to eat anything, which is a problem, or you just have all that food that's undigested in your system and causes the gastrointestinal issues come race day. Speaking of race day and working out, getting a little bit more specific, because I know you have done the research on it recently, I wanted to dive into the beetroot because it is 
a supplement that a lot of endurance athletes are using now, and there's so much out there. What's the legitimacy behind it um, when it comes to just it in general? And then I know you have kind of some things between some different brands as well that you found. Yeah. So I'm sure just like everybody else, I was one of those people who like saw athletes posting about like beetroot supplements on Instagram or you'd just see it and like immediately was like, Ooh, cool. I need to buy that brand too, because so-and-so athlete took it. Um, and we bought a couple of canisters of it, use them sometimes for races. I'm terrible at taking supplements. So like my pantry's full of them and I never, <laughs> never take supplements. Um, and then even race morning, like it's hard enough for me to just like eat actual food that like trying to think about drinking back like a beetroot supplement on top of that, I always would forget. Um, I never really noticed like a huge difference the times I did take it. But again, it was one of those like, oh, cool. Like they said that it works super well, so I better take it. Um, and then funny enough, it was in a precision nutrition group that uh, a student group that someone asked a question about beetroot powder and one of the one of the like head coaches of the program commented with the study and was like, actually like most supplements that are out there don't actually have uh, enough of the nitrites in them. And then me being like a smart ass commented like, Oh, I use, you know, beet elite and it's so good. And they say that there's, you know, six beets in every single serving and like, it's a great brand. And then the coach replied, open the study because Beat Elite's one of the brands that doesn't have enough of the nitrates in it. And I was like, what? So, you know, that was very, very eye-opening for me. Um, and so, you know, I've been wanting to like dive into the research a little bit more for a while now and finally took the time like a week or two ago to, to really dive into that study and some other research that's been coming out on the beetroots and nitrates. And so I published a blog on it like two weeks ago. Um, but basically, yes, there are benefits. Like if you're actually getting the right amount of the beetroot supplement, which gives you enough of the nitrates that you need, um, then yeah, there are actual performance benefits to, to using it. Do you need a supplement? Not necessarily. So, you know, you can do it by juicing beets. There's actually some veggies out there um, that I listed in the blog post that have more nitrates per, per 100 grams of food than beets do. Um, so you can make a green juice or, you know, juice these beets and have it like two hours before your race. Um, but again, is that practical? Not really. Most of us aren't traveling with like a big juicer and a pound of beets in a hotel room to like make our beet juice before a race. Um, so you can buy like the powders and whatnot. But from the study, the study was done in 2018 and they looked at, I can't remember how many they told, like they looked at in total. Um, but with the supplements they looked at, only five of them actually had the minimal dose required to enhance exercise performance. And yes, the supplements that OCR athletes like, uh, Beat Elite being one of them, that was not one of the five. So, um, you can definitely, I link to that study in the blog post. So if people want to go look at it, a lot of the products that were in the five, are like UK based supplements. So like I couldn't even get them here if I wanted to. Um, but that's the thing, like they're not actually as effective as people think they are. Now, are there people who take them and see results? Is it a placebo? Is it in their head? Is it actually working? Like who knows? Like 
if you want to spend the money on a beetroot supplement and you have disposable income to buy a $45 canister of beetroot powder and you want to take it, I'm not stopping anyone. There's nothing, there's nothing bad about taking it. Like it's not dangerous. It's not um, a prohibited substance. So like you can go for it and take it. Uh, will there be any benefit? Who knows? Um, but the minimal dosage that has been shown to actually like enhance performance, it's not in most of those supplements. So to me, it's more just eat your beets, eat your veggies. You're getting those benefits. I think I eat like five or six pounds of vegetables a week, if not more, I eat beets multiple times a week. Um, and usually my pre-race, like the night before I try to have a couple of like whole roasted beets. So to me, that's, that's pretty much good enough. I'm not going to be spending my money on beetroot powder anymore after doing this research. Um, because it's also like, I don't know, it's not that tasty at seven o'clock in the morning to like pound back a mouthful of beets. I'd rather just like eat them at the dinner before, uh, before race day. I have to agree with that one. Like I love beets and all, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting because um, I've noticed that some of the athletes sponsored by those brands, they talk about how they take two servings in the morning before races. And I was like, Oh, well that makes sense because the potency is half of what it's supposed to be. So now to me, it makes sense. But if it's got like 20 servings in a canister and now you're doubling it, you're telling me I only get 10 servings out of like a $45 canister. Like, no, thanks. I'll just buy some beets and eat them. Yeah. For that amount. Yes, you could. Any other supplements or just kind of very popular things that people take that you've looked at research-wise and have found some really interesting outcomes or results? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, Supplement-wise, I don't think so. Um, I think it's more the opposite, where one thing that I find beneficial that a lot of people turn their noses up, and I actually have a post coming out on this tomorrow, um, is like BCAA. So a lot of people get their information again, going to the wrong source. They go to like the bodybuilders and the bodybuilders and the gym guys are like, Oh, BCAAs are useless. You just pee them out. If you eat enough protein, that's all good. You don't need them, which is mostly accurate. Like if you get enough protein, you don't need BCAAs. Um, but BCAAs actually have benefits specific to endurance activity. So bodybuilders don't know that they aren't paying attention to, you know, how BCAAs can help actual endurance performance. So for me, that's a supplement that I actually recommend athletes use, especially longer training sessions or bigger races. Um, because the BCAAs actually have a couple of different roles. One, they help protect your lean muscle mass because the longer the endurance exercise you're doing, the more potential for muscle breakdown, um, as your body runs out of fuel, like the glycogen stores, it starts to try to get fuel elsewhere. And most people think the body just goes to using fat. Um, but I'm not about to get into all that science, but, um, there's just different pathways and fat's not the next thing that it goes to if you're performing at a certain intensity level. So your muscles start breaking down. So if you're giving yourself protein during really long training sessions or races, you're helping uh, prevent that muscle breakdown. You're also helping the recovery process after you're done the workout, after you're done the race. So in training situations, usually you're, I recommend like 15 grams of the BCAAs or protein uh, in those training situations. On race day, only about five grams per hour, just because again, protein slows down the release of the, the sugars that you need for fuel. 
um, and it's a little bit harder to digest. And the reason why, and I'm sure someone's going to say, oh, you could just have protein powder. You could, but if you've ever tried to drink a protein shake in the middle of a workout or a race, you probably know that that doesn't sit well in your stomach the way like BCAAs would. Um, they can also provide some energy because of the fact that they're going to go into your, into your bloodstream. So they do help boost your energy again in really long endurance situations. So for athletes who hear like BCAAs are a waste, I personally, and a few other coaches that I talk to, um, and people that I know in the supplement industry that do research specific to endurance athletes, they are all people who are for endurance athletes taking BCAA. So that's one, I guess, misconception. Um, I think, I think another one that I hear a lot about too is, uh, salt tabs. So salt tabs are really popular. Uh, people think that they cramp because they're dehydrated, which is not necessarily accurate. Um, so they carry like pickle juice or mustard packs with them or salt tabs. Um, but the thing with salt tabs is they're very, very concentrated and just not really, it's not really that good for you. Like the amount of sodium that's in that, when you take one, it requires so much water to be pulled out of your stomach to just like digest those that you end up kind of like dehydrating yourself. You're throwing off your fluid balance. So that's one of those things like sure carry electrolytes, but like a salt tab itself, not a fan of those. Uh, but a lot of athletes swear by them and like carry them for every single race and they pop them like candy in the middle of a race. And it, that can be pretty dangerous. Um, so I think those are like two big, big things that I see other than the people that want to go low carb and, you know, I'm afraid of bread and sugar so terrible for me. And though, like, those are the big, big flags that I think I see the most with athletes. And, and I, I'm curious with the electrolytes and salt tabs. And I'm, I'm asking for personal reasons because I do use them. I know I'm, I'm very electrolyte sensitive. Like I've literally almost fallen asleep driving home before I've dry heaved before. Um, just because my electrolytes get so far off when I'm training endurance wise. And so like, if I start getting lightheaded or dizzy during a race, like if I take one of those, I'm usually good to go. Um, so what do you suggest like for not wanting to like carry something in my hands. I don't want to carry water during your super, um, or for like half marathon distance. Like what do you suggest using instead? That's not fluid based that can still be used. I honestly don't know what would be usable. That's not a fluid. Um, I mean, I would, what I usually recommend athletes is just like having a flask of something like coconut water that has some electrolytes mixed with like an electrolyte powder. Um, there's probably I don't know. There's probably uh, supplements or something you can get on the market that are more like chewable or something electrolytes. I don't know. Cause it's not something that I, I generally go and look for. Like I don't have a problem carrying a hydration flask with me for races. Like even if it's a really hot day and it's a, a sprint up a mountain, I'll carry a hydration pack with me. I have no problem doing that. Um, so I usually just mix like a powder myself. Um, I want to say there's got to be some gels out there or something that, that would have some electrolytes, but it's not just the potassium that people are, sorry, it's not just the sodium that people yeah. need. There's also like the potassium, there's magnesium that you need as well. But it's also just, like I said, too concentrated. Even some sports drinks that are out there aren't actually great for athletes to be using in some of the situations they're using them in because it's throwing off their fluid balance again 
uh, because it's too concentrated. Like if there's too much carbs or too much electrolytes for what you actually need in the situation. So again, everybody's going to be different. And like, if you know that the salt tabs work for you, um, then I'd say like, just keep doing it until you find something else that works for you. Um, but it's, it's a tough thing. I tried researching it. It was something I saw in a book once and it was like really eye opening to me because I see how prevalent it is to use them. Um, and this book referenced a study for why, you know, they say not to use the salt tabs, but it's not something that's super well researched. Like there's not a ton more studies on it of like why you should or shouldn't. But of course there's a hundred supplement companies out there selling salt tabs. So everyone thinks you should buy them just like the beetroot powder or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. I will say training wise, like I just use them for races training wise. I do coconut water and magnesium mixed with regular water. So I definitely do more natural methods otherwise. <laughs> but yeah. Nice. Just races. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I will definitely, when we post this in the show notes, I'll definitely get the links for your uh, beat blog and the BCAs um, yeah. blog. That way those are there for everybody. Anything we have not discussed today that you feel super important to bring up for the OCR athletes or endurance athletes in general? Um, I think just like the big thing for me is again, like the body composition um, and not focusing too much on that. And like realistically it's hard to because we see athletes that are elite and they look thin and they look really fit and like a lot of people want to to look like that and you don't know their backstories you don't know what health problems they might have um or what's going on behind the scenes and, and we've started to see that with athletes now in ocr but even outside of ocr um there's some like high level athletes that were associated with that Nike Oregon project that like came out and talked about how they have like eating disorders and like stress fractures because their coaches, their running coaches wanted them to keep losing weight and they were under fueling. And we saw that with um, Amelia Boone, like she came out and shared her story of how she's had disordered eating for, you know, a ton of time. And she even talked about how she was on covers of magazines and girls would reach out to her and say like, I wish I looked like you. And behind the scenes, she was like, I have an eating disorder. Like, do you really want to look like this? And now she's been dealing with, you know, the stress fractures and stress fractures after stress fractures. And I think it's important for people to recognize that, you know, we watch these athletes and their accomplishments are amazing, but then what happens to them after? And like, is it worth it in the moment to like win that race? If it's going to mean you're going to deal with stress fractures for the next seven years or, you know, for women, you know, you lose your period and then what happens if you decide you want to start a family and you can't because you've messed up your hormones so much by under eating. Um, and it's just, you see that a lot of the top athletes, they're only top athletes for a year or two, especially on the women's side, men's side, they, men are lucky, like hormones, their hormones <laughs> bounce back. They can under eat, they can do keto, they can intermittent fast and like it barely affects them. But us women, like things are different for us. And uh, our bodies react a lot differently to intermittent fasting and keto and cutting out carbohydrates. And so you tend to see like the top five athletes or so, like they change pretty frequently. If you look at five years ago, it's not the same people. And even a year or two ago, some of the women finishing the top 10 all of a sudden didn't race for a whole year or two. And no one really notices that, but those are things I pay attention to. And then you go kind of like look at those people on social media and they're like, oh yeah, like I was hurt all last year. Why? 
because they're not eating enough. And so I just want athletes to, to really keep in mind that like go for performance first, the body composition, it will come if it's meant to, but trying to eat like just for abs is no offense, but like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I've done it. So I, I, I feel like I can say that I have done that. I've had my moments where I'm like, Oh, I look so fat today. Like I should probably just like not eat today so I can see my abs. Um, but then your performance suffers. And if you eat for performance, you're going to feel better. You're going to be healthier and you're going to look better than if you try to eat specifically for your abs. And that's a perfect note to end this on. So if someone has more questions for you, wants to reach out to you, wants to follow you, where can they find you? So I'm all over the place. Um, on uh, Instagram, I have the account at OCR Nutrition. I also have a personal Instagram account at mbooth. Uh, on Facebook, same thing. It's Facebook slash OCR Nutrition. We have a Facebook group that athletes can join. Um, I have a website, melissabuffunos.com. So yeah, literally all the platforms, I mean, all the normal platforms. I don't have TikTok or anything like that, but you know, the Facebook, the Instagram, the website, I got those covered. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. And before I close out, I have two questions for you. Do you feel like you're in a plateau with your progress? Or do you feel like you're stuck in an injury cycle? Both of these issues are very common and both of them can be fixed very easily. Most often, both of these issues come down to how you're training or more importantly, what's missing in your training. By figuring out what's missing and adding that in, your training performance will improve, your racing performance will improve, and your injury cycle will break. I invite you to get on a free 30-minute consultation call with me to discuss what's going on with you, your life, your training, so we can really figure out what needs to be done to improve that. So head over to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash doc to book a free call with me. Thank you again for listening today. I greatly appreciate it and I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.